0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, that's how it starts off. And I thought that's a great way to finish the, the 24 week. A 24-part series <laughs> on uh, the Book of Ephesians, or the Letter to the Church of Ephesus, uh, and that from the beginning of uh, uh, Grace Life Rondebosch, we've been taking a journey through um, through Rondebosch, through what's it, Ephesians, and looking at the reality of Christianity. We've been looking at at, at what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the truth about Christianity? And uh, it's been an an awesome journey. In between that, we've had a couple of uh, uh, other things. So we're not 24 weeks old, but we had a guest speaker. and We had some other things going on uh, uh, here and there. Uh, But here we are finally uh, concluding the series with Finally My brethren. And uh, as I said, we've been looking at what God intended for us with Christianity. And um, uh, we've been looking at what life is available to us as believers. Okay, we've looked at the fact that it's more than a religion, it's more than a lifestyle, it leads to lifestyle, but it's more than a lifestyle and it's even more than a moral compass. Even though it should give you some morals, you should have some kind of standards then as a Christian, right? But it, 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 it's, it's more than that. In the first half of the book of Ephesians chapters 1, 2 uh, and 3, we see who we are in Christ, we see who Christ is inside of us. Okay, and uh, then the second half we see how we can live because of who's inside of us, because of what's inside of us. Okay, uh, uh, we see how we can um, uh, overflow in the way that we live in terms of holiness, in terms of the way we treat people. Last week we looked at um, par- parents parent and child relationship. We looked at employee and an employer relationship, and I encourage you to go and get that online on uh, SoundCloud if you didn't, if you missed that. Because uh, for me even, it was a revelation when I was studying it out, that um, what does it mean that if you honor your parents, you'll have long life? So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Anyway, you'll have to go and listen to it to get that. We also look at, at how the, the Holy Spirit empowers us to treat people like Jesus would treat them. And To walk a live a life of forgiveness and things like that. Now Paul finishes off this letter. Okay, there's a context to the letter. You can't take one verse out of context and just try and make a, a teaching on it. You have to look, that's why we went through the whole book. You have to look at the whole message. What is the main thing that he's trying to communicate? Okay, if you take a text out of context, you're left with a con. Okay. <laughs> just a bit of word math. But now Paul is finishing off his letter, showing us that because of his new life. We are victorious and we're equipped to win every spiritual battle. Okay? Every spiritual battle. So, now, by means of introduction to talking about um, uh, spiritual warfare, and he starts to talk about the armor of God and all of that. So, we're going to get into a bit of that. But, you know, I come from a background where there's a lot of teaching on that. So, anything that I'm saying is coming from where I've come from and comes from my maybe experience, bad and good. And, uh, and that's what I'm teaching from, obviously based on the Word. Okay? And there's a lot of weirdness in the body of Christ about these things. Okay? You know, those with an unhealthy focus on this topic tend to make the devil, devil very much bigger than he is. Okay? They even make him stronger than Jesus the way that they talk about him. Okay, the way that many Christians go on about the devil, you'd think that the devil's omnipresent, everywhere at once. He's not God. God is omnipresent; He's everywhere, but the devil can't be. Okay? You know, I've had many Christians telling me about the warfare that they're going through, and and the devil told me this, and the devil told me that, but they're never telling me what God told them. They know the voice of the devil better than they know the voice of their father. <laughs> it's true. I've we, sat with many people, and they're like, "Oh, the devil's been telling me this, and the devil's been telling me that." And you ask them, "What has God been telling you?" I just can't hear the voice of God. <laughs> it, it, it's shocking. You know, it's sad that many Christians' prayer lives are, are filled with talking to the devil, rebuking the devil, you know, uh, doing warfare against the devil, but they don't seem to talk too much to God. You know, spiritual warfare teachings are often just a popular distraction away from truth. They're just pulling us away from what we should be focused on. And they're keeping us from focusing on the living the mission that we should live. Because now we make spiritual warfare our mission. Okay? Now if we look throughout the New Testament, a lot of what the church is focusing on today we don't see it in the New Testament. Okay, And I'll mention some of the things like, uh, that I'm talking about. But a lot of spiritual warfare teaching, you know what it does? It basically teaches the devil back into business. <laughs> yeah. A lot of teaching from the pulpit really just empowers the devil. Because it makes people scared of him or something. Okay? Jesus... And the early church didn't do a lot of what the Christians do nowadays and didn't teach a lot of what Christianity uh, teaches nowadays. Prayer marches to buying strongholds. You never find that in the Bible. Pouring oil over buildings. You never see that in the Bible. I've done all of this stuff. That's why I can talk about it. The one church I was at, they bought bags of salt. Big bags. I've never seen such big bags of salt. And, as a prophetic action, they, they, they sprinkled that all over the place. They went to the union buildings and they put it there, and they put it in the, the because we are salt to change the nation. Yeah, but we were serious about it. We, in the service, they handed out little salt packets, like this, so that you could season your speech but you know, as a prophetic action and sprinkle it somewhere. And it's like, like now we look back and it's, it, it, we think it's crazy, but when you're in it, you don't think it's crazy. But you don't see that in the Bible. Prayer missions. Where people are now raising money to go and walk through a nation and just pray. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of kingdom resources. If you've done that, repent. (laughs) There's no other way. It's a waste of money. What good is a mission where you don't preach the gospel to someone? If you want to pray, pray at home. Any teaching or practice that pulls away from our focus on the victory of the death and resurrection of Jesus is a waste of time, and it's focusing on the enemy. It's empowering the enemy. One of the reasons that the church isn't experiencing the glory that we can is because we're we're not um, focused in on the victory of Jesus like we should be. We think the devil is more bigger than Jesus. Like, you you wonder if you're a Christian, the, the way some people talk about the devil. As a Christian, there's no spiritual battle that you cannot win. As a Christian, there's no spiritual battle that you are not destined to win. So, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Passion puts it like this. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved the most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength, through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. This is the whole message of Ephesians. There's a power in you which wants to come out of you. And so wake up and realize what you've got. I mean, right in chapter 1, Paul's praying for the the, the believers. And he's not praying for revival. He's not praying for, for, for anything other than Wake up and realize what you've got. The only reason the devil would be battering a Christian around and beating him up or beating her up is because they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they've got in Christ. And we go go all the way back to to the first couple of uh, uh, um, sermons in this series, and it's all about the power of Christ in us that we need to wake up to. And so in context, he's saying you can engage in spiritual warfare successfully because of what you've got. You're equipped for this. You're prepared for this. So we need to remember that Paul isn't writing this passage of Scripture in isolation from the topic. Okay, The Holy Spirit in us, His ability through us, will tackle any spiritual warfare successfully. Paul's telling us that we may live victoriously in this present evil age, even with satanic, demonic opposition, because of God's ability in you. you know, I, 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 one of my favorite sermons I ever taught was on the revelation of Satan, and I can't find a copy of it. But it was really—I I haven't laughed as much in a sermon as I ever have in that one, and I've got some of that content in here, so we're going to get there. Hopefully, it'll be, be, be laughing. <laughs> but the point is, is, there were some people enjoying it. There were some people freaked out. There were some people who were kind of like ready to run because they were scared because they don't believe who they are in Christ. You know, I, I grew up scared like that, so I understand it. But we need to, you know, uh, uh, what's it? Um, uh, uh, the truth will set you free. So come to know it so it can set you free. You know, Paul's telling us how we can live victoriously be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. A lot of us, when it comes to to, 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 to spiritual warfare, we're not convinced it's going to work because we're focused on ourselves and our lack of holiness, our lack of good works or goodness or something. We're focused on something we've done wrong and we're not focused in on what He's done for us and how He's made us holy. It's His holiness, not your holiness, that will give you success. Okay? And it's all through your union with Him. Our weaknesses are not an issue in spiritual warfare. Someone really needs to hear that. Your weaknesses are not an issue for you in spiritual warfare. In in, in battling against the devil himself, he was to pitch up at your room tonight. (laughs) Someone's scared. But the point is, is, like our weaknesses are not uh, 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 an issue because we're not drawing our strengths from ourselves, we're drawing our strengths from the Spirit within us. That's where our ability comes from. Okay, Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. You know, I've heard things like this, so-and-so died or suffered or was attacked because of the chinks in their armor. Anyone heard chinks in their armor kind of theology? When it's like all of a sudden the reason why something happened and something was wrong because there was a chink in your armor or it wasn't oiled properly or something I don't know but there's a few problems with that line of thinking okay what they're saying is that there was a sin somewhere in your camp in your life in your household which caused I used to believe this that's why I can successfully teach against it Uh, you know the the the, the, the sin was gave the, the enemy entry into your life and caused some problems and all of this type of thing. So, firstly, we're told to be strong in the Lord, not in your personal holiness. Now, personal holiness is important, and we've spoken about that in this series. But you're strong in the Lord, not in your personal holiness. Number two, it's not called your armour, so how can you have a chink in your armour? It's God's armour, and He has no chinks in it. And so, that bad theology undone. Moving along, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. I'm reading from the New Living. It says, Put on all of God's armor, not your armor, all of God's armor, not Saul's armor. <laughs> okay, like say, uh, Saul and David. David went out to go fight Goliath and for the king who was a coward. And what does uh, um, uh, Saul do? He wants to give David, the little shepherd boy, his armor to fight. And what does David do? He says, No, thank you, because it doesn't fit okay the point is is like you can't wear someone else's armor but you can wear God's armor he's made it available for you put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil now one of the things I've said a couple times and I'm not going to get into it too much is that everything in the New Testament is in the Old Testament and this all this armor stuff is all there and so, the, you know, in Isaiah 59, verse 17, it specifically mentions the Messiah wearing the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. So that's just, that's just interesting. So He has given us His armor. It's not our armor. And God's armor is more than sufficient for us to be able to do what needs to get done. Okay? Now think about it like this. Whose armor is it? God's armor. So if you're dressed like God and you fight like God... We're gonna look like who to the devil? Okay? Until we start to speak unbelief, we don't speak like God, we don't act like God. Now all of a sudden the devil knows who's really there. <laughs> so so all you need to do is just, like the scripture here is about to say, stand. What do many Christians do in spiritual warfare with the devil? Shout. <laughs> we shout. You know, and, and, and straight away I'm pretty sure he knows that that's not God then. And your shouting might become effectual eventually, somewhere down the line, but the point is, is that we're told to stand, not to shout. Okay, shout for victory, not to try and get the victory. You know, we fight against, what? What are we fighting against in that verse? Put on all the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. What are most Christians fighting against the devil? Some kind of power or something tangible we're thinking it, but it's not. It's schemes, it's strategies, it's, it's something in your head. Okay? So we're here to, the different versions use wiles, schemes, or strategies. So it's a battle in your mind. If you can't win the battle in your mind, then the devil will win a battle over you in other ways. Whether it's sickness or whatever. But if you can can, 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 can uh, uh, win the battle in your mind, you'll win the battle over him. It's not a physical battle. That's what the Bible is about to show us here. It's a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle starts and ends in your mind. Okay. We've got to remember, you know, the devil is playing a long game with us. And this battle in the mind is a battle for men and women. This is one of the things, as I was was preparing for this, I realized, like, I've even missed over this, skipped over this somehow. When we're talking about spiritual warfare and stuff, we're often being very self-centered. We're often thinking about how, you know, uh, uh, um, the devil's on my case, he's, you know, my dog ran away, the geezer burst, you know, all these kind of things just going wrong in my life. i got a flat tire. You know why your geezer burst? Because it was old. (laughs) The devil can't be involved in that. But it happened and now he's using it to try and get you. Why did your dog run away? Because you left the gate open. The devil can't open your gate. Maybe he sends someone to try and open the gate. (laughs) Then you should have locked your gate. What I'm trying to show you is that you're giving him more credit than he's due. Okay? It's, it's, It's in the mind, but it's not just a battle for your joy. Hear me? This battle is not a battle for your joy, it's a battle for the souls of the lost. This life is not about your joy. It's not about your peace. It's not about your prosperity. It's not even about your healing. It's about eternity. And as believers, our job is to to, to, to reach the lost and establish them in the truth so they can live a fruitful life. And the enemy comes to try and get us to think that we're fighting for our joy or our peace or our healing or our prosperity or whatever. And then he's winning the battle. Because you've made it all about you. Jesus stripped Satan of all his authority. That's why Jesus could say, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, so how much is all? It's all. Okay, so if all authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus, then how much has God the devil got? Only what you're giving him, because you know Jesus delegated that authority to us. So the power that Satan can only use against you isn't a slap on the face. It's not even sickness. It's deception. That's why he's called the father of lies. Okay. When we start to give him power in our minds and in our hearts, you know what we're doing? We're giving him power. That's why I say a lot of teaching... And I mean, you can look at my bookcase. I've got a lot of those books. A lot of books and a lot of teaching is so focused in on the power of the devil and how he operates in our lives that you read that book and it empowers the devil in your life instead of you overcoming him then. Then you want to go and burn everything and break everything. And, you know, I don't know what else. The, de- the devil deceives people and uses their own power and authority against them. The thing that makes deception so deadly is you don't know that you're deceived. But as soon as the, the light comes on, as soon as you realize that you have been deceived, you are no longer deceived. Okay. The truth of God's Word removes deception of the devil and thereby breaks his power in our lives. And so if you're experiencing the power of the enemy in your life, you need to come to know some truth that you don't know. And then you can start to experience freedom. The only reason the enemy's got a hold in your life is because of some lie you believe. It's not because someone's putting curses on you. It's not because you sinned and made mistakes. It's because of deception, ignorance. It's because you don't know something. Okay, we were in, uh, I told you this, we were in KwaZulu-Natal. And the first night there, they said we must come wake up early in the morning the next morning. Um, I'm up early, but the team isn't ever up early like that. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 so they wanted us up early to be able to pray, and I don't mind waking up early to pray, but the reasoning was a little bit challenging for me. It was because we need to be making sure that we, we've done enough to be able to fight the spiritual battle here, because there's some gormas in the area that want us dead, they don't want us here. And my response to that is, and still is, was and still is, is let them come and do their sacrifices in my room while I'm sleeping. I don't care. Greater is he that's in me. That's not going to bother me. But if it makes you scared, it's going to, it's going to get you. See, we, we give the enemy too much power in our hearts and in our lives, and that's the problem. The truth of God's word will remove the deception of the, power, of the devil and thereby break his power in our lives. We're going to come back to Ephesians chapter 6 here. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, 1 Peter 1, verse 13, it says, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Not your anointing oil, not your shofar. I've got a shofar. (laughs) Not those things. That doesn't help diddly squat. Okay, what helps is you knowing who you are in Christ. A Bible won't help you. I'll talk about that just now. A cross won't help you. Holy water won't help you. Holy Spirit will. (laughs) Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. In the New Living, it says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So it's talking about a mind battle here. But I like what it says firstly. It says, We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. The world's weapon would be something carnal, something tangible. God's weapons are spiritual. Therefore, anointing oil is not a weapon. Faith is. Okay? Then it goes on. Verse 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. It's all in the mind. <clears throat> this verse shows us what the battle is for as well. What is the battle for? Look at that verse. What is the battle for? It says it there at the end. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. The battle is for people to know God, not for your joy, your peace, your healing. It's for knowing God. I'm not diminishing. God wants you well. I'm not saying that He doesn't. But what I'm saying is put the value on the right thing. Okay? It says there we capture their rebellious thoughts. What's a rebellious thought? And teach them to obey Christ. It's talking about believe the gospel and stop not believing. It's talking about coming from death to life, from light to darkness, uh, darkness to light. This is about eternity people receiving the truth of the gospel and getting saved that's what the battle is for okay ephesians chapter 6 again verse 12 we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now you can read that and go off track big time if you're just listening to the eloquence, especially if you're just reading King James and you now, you can get spooked out. Okay? But what this is firstly saying is that people are not the enemy. Okay? We are not fighting against flesh and blood. Now everybody here, if you're a Christian, you'd say, Amen, yes. But now let me paint the picture for you. So that you can see that you maybe in practice are actually not not agreeing with this. People are not your enemy. That means your spouse is not your enemy. Okay. Your in-laws are not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Your employee is not your enemy. The person sitting next to you is not your enemy. A Satanist is not your enemy. A Satanist is even not your enemy. Because... People are our mission. People are never our enemy. The enemy is our enemy. The devil is our enemy. Sickness is our enemy. Lack is our enemy. Ignorance is our enemy. Deception is our enemy. And those things live in people. And so we're not fighting people. We're fighting what's influencing them. What's dominating them. What's controlling them. And we've been equipped with the power to be able to set the captives free. The the, the mission is people. People are not our enemy. Difficult people in our lives. Anybody got some? My hand is up. I'm a pastor. I've got lots. None of you. you. They're all at the other campuses. Or they stayed home and are watching. (laughs) Only know one person who's watching. (laughs) One of them. But it's not you. Anyway, difficult people in our lives are the way that they are because of ignorance or deception. That's it. The only reason someone is mean to you is because of ignorance or deception. They're ignorant of God's love, they're deceived into thinking that they, 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 they dislike you. That's the, only, that's the only reason. They're giving into a demonic influence which is out to push your buttons. Why is this demonic influence out to push your buttons? Because this demonic influence wants you to stop focusing on the mission. Now, if you've never had your buttons pushed, <laughs> if you've never had people like coming against you in this demonic attack on your life, it's probably because you're not living on the mission yet. But let's move on. <laughs> We cannot win a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. You can flush the oil. It's not going to help you. At all. We must realize who the... I don't even have oil written in my notes, so someone here loves oil. (laughs) We must realize who the real enemy is and fight with the spiritual weapons that God has given us. What is the spiritual weapon He's given us? Holy Ghost. What is the spiritual weapon he's given us? Faith. We're going to look at the, 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 the armor of God in a minute. Those things represent spiritual truths. Okay? We often think that if we're angry with people, it's going to put them in their place. James chapter 1, verse 20 says, The wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. So if we start giving into anger, it's actually just giving into the devil. If we have an outburst of anger, you're just agreeing with the devil, giving in to what he wants to do in someone's life and in yours. Jesus' way is not to respond in anger, but to turn the other cheek, to love. Love is always the answer. Love will actually make demons flee. Not anger. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I'm sure all of us want to stand firm. This says we need all the armor. What is our call in this? To take up all the armor. How do we take up all the armor? After I mentioned this the other night, etienne sent me a video and i would have loved to have shown it to you of this very enthusiastic believer <laughs> if it's your uncle or someone i apologize but he was like you know putting on the armor of god the breastplate of righteousness know, yeah, and he was like doing this like dance i mean i've done that years back <laughs> You know, I'm putting on the the shoes and you're like like getting ready for the day. But no one ever takes it off. They go to sleep with it. So it's as if the gospel, not the gospel, the armor somehow dissolves magically during the day. And then you've got to put on new armor. Anyway, if you're doing it like that, then hopefully you can be set free today. (laughs) Because our call is to take it up. But how do we take it up? It's not by doing some kind of (laughs) mime. Okay, it's not like that. It's, it's we're in a spiritual battle. So doing something physical like this is not going to help. It's got to be something spiritual that I do if I'm wanting to win, if I'm wanting to be ready. Okay, so it starts and ends in the mind. Okay, the spiritual battle is about two things: obedience or disobedience. And if we look in the Old Testament, we look in the New Testament, especially Romans chapter ten, you can see. Obedience is always faith. Disobedience is always unbelief. It's not—they're not talking about lust and lying, and it's, we're not talking about individual acts of sin. Disobedience is unbelief. Uh, uh, obedience is faith. So it's an issue of faith and unbelief. Okay. So how do you take up the armor of God? Faith, believing. So when we're looking at these individual pieces of armor, it's saying believe this. There's nothing that you can do physically. Okay, it's, it's about believing something. The armor of God doesn't protect us automatically. Why? The same re it's for the same reason that not everybody's automatically born again. Why isn't everyone saved? Free will, but they've got to believe. And so, why are some believers walking around like with 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 and being uh, um, battered around by the enemy? faith, or lack thereof, In a sense of they're not believing or they're believing something. They're believing the wrong thing. Okay? So there's seven pieces of armor mentioned. Five are defensive, two are offensive, and one is for preparation. Okay, and we're going to look at them now. The armor mentioned is a belt, a breastplate, shoes, who likes shoes? Someone gave me some shoes this week, I was grateful, so I like shoes too. <laughs> shoes, a shield, I like shields especially if someone's going to attack me. A helmet, a sword, and a prayer. Okay, that's the armor. Now let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 to 18. King James. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truce, and having on a breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith... wherewith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So, the belt of truth. Okay? The belt of truth. in, In Bible days... If they were going to run or something, or were going to war, they would uh, uh, basically tuck in their robes into their belt. And so the belt is what's holding everything together. Okay, Paul was saying that the belt of truth allows us to fight without getting entangled in our garments. Okay, truth is like a shield around us, actually, even. Okay, and this is a also a, a piece of armor which prepares us for the battle. Okay? In, uh, uh, as I was reading up about this, it says centuries ago, people would wrestle, men would wrestle only with a belt. And the aim was to try and get the belt off the other one. I mean, that's quite rough. <laughs> but it just shows you the importance of a belt. If we are, or uh, 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 um, well, Satan can take out the belt by lies, or well, the lies and the truth, that's the opposite. Okay? And so, how do we stay in. The belt of truth. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. So we've got to realize that he is our belt that's keeping it all together. Okay? We need to be established in truth. In Jesus, who is the truth, we need to be established in the truth of the word and in being people of truth. And so as people of truth who are, 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 are filled with Jesus, who is truth, we speak the truth. So truth keeps it all together, really. Then you've got the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, Righteousness covers your heart like a bulletproof vest. The breastplate protects our heart and our vital organs, our lungs and everything else. The breastplate was an important part of the armor. You could not go to battle without it. And we as believers will not succeed in battle without being established in righteousness. Now, is every believer righteous? Yes, 100%. Does every believer know that? No. I didn't know it for many years, and that's why I failed in spiritual warfare. But as soon as you know that you're 100% righteous before God, what happens? You can be successful in spiritual warfare. Because righteousness is really, really important. Okay? The uh, 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 breastplate was to the Roman soldier what righteousness is to the Christian. Okay? It, it, it protects the vital organs. Now, when I talk about righteousness, we're often thinking of our self righteousness. Isaiah 64 says all our righteousness is like filthy rags. That's where the chinks come in. <laughs> is when you're thinking that it's about your goodness and you're not doing what's wrong and you're doing what's right and all of this, then you, you fail and you can fail epically. Okay. Self righteousness is of no value to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5:21 says for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God's kind of righteousness Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. We've got his righteousness as believers. You are 100% right with God, 100% of the time. The problem is, is when you don't believe it, you don't experience that. Then you don't see the fruit of that. Okay? Then, Then you're going to suffer a bit. Not because God's making you suffer, but because your ignorance is causing you to suffer. God's kind of righteousness comes through faith. It's a gift. It's something that you've got to believe. Okay? We need to be established in the righteousness of God, not our righteousness. That's a real big key to victory in spiritual warfare. Then it talks about shoes. Paul is using Roman military soldier as a picture, as a metaphor, okay, to help us understand spiritual truths. Roman soldiers and others would have thick leather uh, 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 sandals with, you know, those... um, thongs going up their legs to their knee, and underneath they would have nails, steel, uh, 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 metal or steel nails, driven through the sole, so that it was like cleats. Okay, why? Because it would make them run faster. Why? Because it would make them stand firm and stable in hand-to-hand combat. Okay, so the shoes for us do the same thing. Spiritually speaking, the shoes of the gospel of peace Speak about us being ready to share the gospel because we know the gospel and we're prepared and eager to share it. There's a lot of Christians without shoes. (laughs) There's a lot of Christians without shoes. Because, why? I mean, has has anyone kicked their toe before? Majority of us. It's sore. It's it's, it's harder to kick your toe when you've got shoes on. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Hey, we've all tried to run, some of you do still run, but you know we try to run, and what happens when we try to run without shoes? Some of you might be very good at that, but it's, it's easier to run with good shoes. Okay, So shoes are important, especially for our mission, but here's the point. A lot of Christians don't know the gospel properly, and what I mean by properly is they're saved, but they don't know how to communicate it to somebody else. Someone asks you, why are you a Christian? Uh, uh, uh. Then that's no shoes. Someone asks you to share the gospel with them, and you can't. You don't have shoes on. And the enemy is winning that spiritual battle for the heart of and the soul of that individual who just asked you and you couldn't answer them. And there's grace for you, but if they don't receive Jesus, there's no grace for them then it's not about us, it's about the mission. And spiritual warfare isn't about your joy, your peace, your happiness or your job. It's about the souls of men and eternity. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. God's got no one other than you to reach the people that are around you. So it's good for us to, to put our shoes on. How? By believing the... Oh, not by believing the gospel, obviously, but by knowing the gospel and being ready to share it. Okay? Sharing the gospel of uh, the, the good news about grace and peace is our greatest, one of our greatest weapons in spiritual warfare. Most people wouldn't think that. They would think it's pleading the blood. Pleading the blood... Let me stick to sharing the gospel. <laughs> sharing the gospel is really the the most powerful thing that you can do because if 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 let's say Mikey is not saved, which he is, he's unsaved and he's 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 just hurting me and he's constantly like a, just a, like verbally abusing me and making my life a misery and all that. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to be praying, Father, like just just move him. Just just give him another job, like take him somewhere else. Or Father, just plead the blood over him and may he just be silent when I come into contact with him. That's useless spiritual warfare and you should be ashamed if you pray like that for someone. You should be praying for their heart and for their salvation. And you should be going and sharing the gospel at an opportunity so that they can be born again. Have the Spirit of God come and live inside of them and transform and change the way that they're going to treat you and other people. That is effective spiritual warfare. And it's not weird. Okay? (laughs) The enemy tries to get Christians to do everything but share the gospel. Plead the blood, big prayer events, repent of sins of forefathers, etc., etc. None of that impacts eternity. Hear me. None of that impacts eternity. I love prayer. But a prayer event isn't going to impact eternity unless it's converting people's souls and getting them into eternity. Worship events are not going to impact eternity unless people are getting born again in them. I remember years back, before Grace Life started, I was at a, at a church. We were in a prayer meeting on a Friday night, all-night prayer meeting. And uh, uh, we, were, uh, um, we were busy praying and, and I could hear town. We were we close to town, the town that we were in. And I could hear everybody having a good time in town. And I wasn't jealous of them. I wasn't jealous that I was having a good time in prayer. But God really convicted me while I was, while I was in prayer. Because I could hear people out in town. And here we are praying and not going. And he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're praying for these people, but you're not ever going to talk to them. Yeah, we, we, we use it as an excuse. I'm praying for them okay well we're not called to pray for the lost we're called to preach the gospel to the lost we're called to pray for opportunities pray for boldness but that's for a purpose to share the gospel okay we should be wearing our eagerness and passion to communicate the gospel like soldiers shoes to announce the the gospel of peace that is that jesus is victorious the battle has been fought and the battle has been won. That's our message. Our message is one of victory. Okay, if we're not ready to ready to share the gospel, prepared to share the gospel, eager to share the gospel, when the battle starts, we're going to fail. And someone's eternity could be at stake for it. And if that doesn't make you feel comfortable, that's awesome. Because now you can go and get ready for it. We're busy, I don't know what week we're on. I think we're on week 7 or something like that. We've called it School of the Believer. Okay, School of the Believer happens every Saturday morning. From 7.30 in the morning, because most people aren't doing anything at that time. (laughs) 7.30 to 9.30. And it's just about equipping people to, 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 to be ambassadors of Christ. Equipping people to reach the lost. We have mission trips coming up. You can only go on the mission if you're in School of the Believer. Because otherwise I don't want someone who's not equipped for it. You know, if you want to go through those teachings, you're welcome. We're going to run it again in the new year. But the point is, is like we, we're serious about equipping you to be a good ambassador of Christ. And if you realize, I'm not such a good ambassador of Christ, then you're failing at spiritual warfare. And we want to equip you, because that's the purpose of the church, is to equip you so that you can be better at it. So we need to be established in the gospel and equipped to share it effectively. Let's move on to the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. You can and should experience complete victory in your Christian life. This says, stop, uh, uh, one of the translations, all the fiery darts of the evil one. doesn't say some. Everything the devil throws at you, you should be able to overcome. Total victory in your Christian life is 100% possible. The, the, what's, what's standing between you and total victory is ignorance, unbelief, and misinformation even. Deception. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws your way, you are destined and created, recreated, to overcome. But it's going to take some preparation to be able to do that. You've got to know some stuff. Okay, Fiery arrows or darts are attacks in the mind. Fiery arts, what the devil throws at you, is doubt, unbelief, deception. What is the remedy for, for uh, doubt, unbelief, deception? It's the shield of faith. Okay? Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So we can never stand in faith against doubt, unbelief or deception where we are ignorant of the Word. Your problem is you don't know the Word. You don't know God properly. You can't have a good relationship with God without knowing the Word. And if you're, you're, you're nowhere, that's awesome. Because we all started nowhere. <laughs> and we all had to grow somewhere. It takes time. Okay? It takes a bit of effort in digging into the Word. It doesn't take effort in many... It doesn't take any carnal effort. The only effort is getting into the Word. Okay? We must be established in our faith, which comes through the Word of God, so that we will not give in to the devil's only weapon, which is deception. Helmet of salvation. Click. (laughs) The helmet protects our head, our thoughts, our control room, our brain. It protects our eyes, our vision. It protects our hearing, hearing from God, receiving from God. I know many Christians who are unsure of their salvation. I used to be one. Okay. If you're unsure of your salvation, you will always fail at spiritual warfare. Always. Always. When the devil's throwing something at you, you'll fail. That's when you should be worried about Shangomas and stuff. <laughs> okay. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation. What salvation? Eternal salvation. That means it's not temporary salvation, it's eternal salvation. So when you receive salvation, you receive eternal salvation. So now what I'm doing is for those of you who are unsure of your salvation, you can come up afterwards, we'll pray together, and then you can be sure from that moment on. But what I'm saying is if you've received Christ, you've received eternal salvation. You can never lose your salvation. You are eternally secure. I've got a great teaching on SoundCloud for it. You can ask for it and we'll send it to you. Hebrews 12, verse 19. With His own blood, not the blood of bulls and goats and calves, and not your blood either, He entered the most holy place for all time and secured our redemption forever. You are forever redeemed. Once you receive, it's yours Forever. We must be established in the truth of our eternal, not temporary, eternal salvation if we want to be successful in spiritual warfare. Now the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, This is our only offensive weapon. Okay, And uh, it says that the, 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 the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. This isn't talking about the, the the Bible lying next to your bed with dust on it, <laughs> or even with many highlighted portions of Scripture in it. It's not talking about either. It's not talking about the Bible on the coffee to, uh, coffee coffee table. It's not talking about anything like that. Okay, it's talking about the Word in your heart. If the Word isn't in you, you're going to fail. <laughs> And I'm, I'm not trying to put a heavy on anyone. I'm trying to motivate you to now get the Word in you. Realize what you've got. Realize who's living inside of you. Okay? It's the Word of God alive in our hearts, activated by the Holy Spirit, spoken in faith, which makes a difference in our lives. You know, you can pick up a Bible and throw it at the devil, and he's, he, he'll pick it up and read it. He knows the Bible better than you do. It's not about that. You know what did Jesus use in in, 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 in uh the the it, well when he was tempted in the wilderness? Word. The word. Interestingly enough, he was quoting Deuteronomy at the devil. You can quote Deuteronomy at the devil and and, and overcome him. <laughs> Most of us don't even know anything from Deuteronomy. There's no condemnation for that. I'm just saying, you know, Jesus used Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is good enough. Okay. But what I'm trying to show you is that we, we need to be established in the truth of the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can quicken the Word of God in our hearts at the appropriate time so that we can overcome. Okay? Because the believer who's ignorant of the Word of God is always going to be easy prey for the devil. Always. Always. The last piece of armor is prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says... Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So prayer is not one-way conversation. Prayer is relationship with God. You talk to Him, He talks to you. Okay? It's about relationship. Prayer is also an expression of our dependence on God and our trusting and relying on Him. Okay? Okay? You know, yes, we can, pray for, we can pray for direction, we can pray for intervention, we can, we can ask for things, whatever. We can do those things, that's not wrong. But prayer is really also God speaking to us and directing us, which is also a great warfare tactic, don't you think? We must be established in relationship with God in prayer, in talking to Him, in receiving from Him. Okay, so that's the, the armor. A few points about our enemy. Our enemy is not people. Remember, so it's not your mother, it's not your father, it's not your, your 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 boss, it's not anybody. No matter how ungodly they are, they are not the enemy. They are the mission. Our enemy is the devil and his deception. Our enemy is lack. Our enemy is sickness. Okay, Colossians chapter two, verse fourteen to fifteen says, "He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross." So you can say Jesus nailed it. Amen? In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He what? Disarmed. Disarmed. The devil has no arms. Now, I want you to have a picture of him in your mind without arms because he's been disarmed. I know that's not the correct definition of the word, but this helps with the word, with a picture in our minds. Because now we're picturing this red guy with horns and a tail and this pitchfork, and he's bigger than us and he's muscular. You know, whatever you're picturing. But now I want you to picture someone without arms. Okay? It's good. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory uh, uh, over them on the cross. So when, when did this happen? The cross. Okay? The enemy is disarmed. He has no arms. We know the, the devil is defeated. You know where I'm going with this now, eh? He has no feet. So now picture him without arms. You can picture legs if you want, but they're stumps. And wow, well, it's good to laugh, don't be scared. Now imagine, he's a pushover. Why is he a pushover? Because he's got no foundation, no stability. 15 years ago, I would have been freaked out at saying these things. <laughs> Yeah, but he, he, hes a pushover. You know, what does it say? Um, the devil comes around as a roaring lion, or like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. ha <laughs> ha! It's not that he is a lion. He's like a lion, but he's been defeated. He's been disarmed. Therefore, he has no teeth. Because his power over you is deception, not strength, not physical strength. And so if a lion's biggest asset is biting you, he has no teeth. And I have to throw this in. We went to the Lion Park once in Drakenstein and Stellenbosch. You've heard this, I know. That's why you're enjoying, you're getting ready to enjoy this. So so, so, years back, they don't have this lion anymore named Sandy. They only have rescue lions there, really. They rescue them from all over the world. And this lion, Sandy, was rescued from some circus in, in Europe somewhere. And uh, in order to, to, to make sure that Sandy didn't bite anyone, the owner, previous owner, had pulled her teeth. Which is sad, but it's going to be funny, so you can laugh, Anna. it? And, and so what they did in order to feed Sandy, well, first of all, because it had no teeth, Sandy's tongue was overdeveloped. And so she sat like a dog with her tongue hanging out, all the time. That doesn't look so great, does it? Makes you look dumb. (laughs) And so they would take chickens, dead chickens, and they would have to hammer them to, to tenderize them, and then they would throw tenderized chicken with bones and everything to Sandy so that she could eat them. Okay. But, yeah, you know, now picture the devil like that. No arms, no feet, he's a pushover, and he's a toothless pussycat. <laughs> the worst thing that he can do is roar and make you scared. A, 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 a lion's roar is powerful, it's something that you feel. But if you know the lion has no teeth, and that all he can do is gum you,
1: <laughs>
0: or lick you to death, Like then, then, then you start laughing. In Mark chapter five, this is one of my favorites. Jesus casts a demon out of a man, and it's only we should we don't need to talk to demons except to tell them to leave. But he talks to the the demon, and what does he say? What's your name? The man responds and says, Legion, which is more than six thousand demons, more than six thousand in one man. You can't fit 6,000 grapes in you. You can't fit 6,000 grapes. You know, grape, grapes in you. How small must a demon be? I heard that from Ed Elliott. I loved it. I'll credit him for it. How small must a demon be? And I understand spirits and all of that type of thing, but come on, I'm trying to show you how much bigger you are than a demon or the devil. If every demon in hell, plus the devil, the ringleader. Came to my house tonight, I would not be worried. If they woke me up, I would go back to bed. There's no need to be scared of this stuff. Curse me, sacrifice against me, do what you want, it doesn't matter. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why would God call us as believers... To engage in spiritual warfare, to to, to advance the kingdom, true spiritual warfare is battling for the souls of men. Keep that in mind. It's not battling for your job. It's battling for the souls of men. Okay, so now why would God call us to this battle of light and dark, eternity, and then not empower you to win? Why would, you know, is, is Jesus bigger than the devil? Simple question. Yes, he is. So if Jesus lives in you, you're bigger than the devil. But the problem for Christians is we don't know who's in us. (laughs) And as I say things like this, usually there's one or two people in the crowd who are freaked out because of the bad teaching you've had. We we should stop being so concerned about the devil and his power and be more concerned with God and his power that's resident inside of us. You know, we have more authority over the, the devil than he has over an ant. You have more authority over the devil than he has over an ant. How can I say that? Because he's just a spirit. He needs a body to operate. God is a spirit. He needs a body to operate. That's why God came in the flesh to accomplish what he did. And that's why now he sends his spirit to dwell in us so that he can accomplish his work on earth. That's why God can't do anything apart from you and I. So some further truths for spiritual warfare. 1 John 5, verse 4 to 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. If you're a Christian, you're born an overcomer. You're born into victory. Verse 5. Who is he that overcomes the world, but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Notice what it says. Who overcomes? A believer. A believer. Okay? I'll say a few things quickly. It doesn't say that we overcome through fasting, it says we overcome through faith. We overcome through faith, through being born of God. Okay, We are more than conquerors. We are filled with the fullness of Jesus. We have His resurrection power in us. The greater one lives in us. We've been born of God. Born again into victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. We are victorious. We are the children of God. Okay, That's what we've got to believe in order to succeed in the, 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 the enemy's plans against us. Because the enemy doesn't like you and he doesn't want you to know what you've got and who you are. He doesn't want you to witness to people and share the gospel with them. He wants you just to focus on your job and have a nice life and have a retirement plan. Amen? So Let's finish Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. Paul is writing and he says, Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now. What does that mean? I am in chains now. What does that mean? He's in jail. Okay, it's not super super deep or anything, he's in jail. But look there. He starts off in verse 19 by saying, Pray for me. Not to be free from jail. But what does he say? Pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly preach the gospel. I am in chains now. I'm still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Okay? He's keeping the main thing, the main thing. He's not worried about what the devil's doing in his life. He's using that to his advantage. Yeah? Yeah? He was warned by believers who were prophetic not to go wherever he shouldn't have gone. And he went. He got arrested. And you know what the result of that arresting was? He got to preach to the whole of Caesar's household because he went on trial there. But because he was, he had an eternal mindset, he was living for eternity. The reality of Christianity is this. Christ in us, Christ through us. The reality of Christianity is that we're not seeking to now live a comfortable life, but a kingdom life. Paul was in prison. He didn't ask for prayer to be free from prison. He asked for prayer that he would be able to minister effectively. Because he had an eternal mindset. We should be living lives of surrender to the Lord and living for eternity. That's what we're called to. This relationship that we have with God, this friendship that we have with God, is not just for ourselves. It's it's supposed to be a blessing to the people around us. Ministry isn't telling people Jesus loves them. (laughs) Ministry is is sharing the gospel, that Jesus loves them and wants to have a relationship with them, and so this is what you need to believe. That God raised Jesus from the dead, so that you could be right with Him, and now you just need to confess that He is Lord and receive Him. That, that's ministry. Ministry isn't just encouraging people. The world can encourage people better than we can sometimes. Most of my message was it's encouraging if you're carnal. <laughs> but what I want you to see, thanks man, is that you are bigger than the devil, bigger than whatever he throws your way, and God has a purpose and a plan for you with that it's to win in spiritual warfare how do we win in spiritual warfare how do we win what's the goal of spiritual warfare this is a good question what is the goal of spiritual warfare what is the win someone saying yes to jesus not your your the person who you think is your enemy being shipped off to some foreign country to get a new job because then your life is easier that's not, the, that's not victory. Victory is that individual becoming your brother or sister in Christ. And you start to love them and they start to love you. We need to change our perspective on these things. You know, there's a church in Zimbabwe. Sorry. <laughs> you know. But there's a church in Zimbabwe. I don't know if it's still going, but Isaac actually, this was his church. Years back, he attended this church and they did spiritual warfare. They had to bring eggs to church. Okay? They brought eggs to church, and now they're doing spiritual warfare. Write the name of your enemy on the egg. And then while they're praying in tongues and doing their thing, they're throwing the eggs at the wall. That's demonic. One of the big shot African prophets, who's a false prophet, writes on his Instagram, I am praying for your enemies that they will get three cars outside their house. An ambulance, a police car, and a fire truck. That's not godly. That's not a man of God. That's an angel of, of deception dressed as an angel of life. We've got to be aware that the soul, that the battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against what's happening behind the scenes. And what's happening behind the scenes is eternal. The armor, purpose is for us to be able to stand firm, stand strong, and get the job done. Amen? Father, I thank You that uh, we can be encouraged by this Word. We can be built up by this Word. We can be challenged by this Word to be able to live for You and not just for our comfort. Father, I thank You that You've made it so easy. We don't have to deal with territorial spirits. We have to deal with the spirits in in people. And the way we deal with that is through preaching the gospel. Is reaching them so that their hearts will change and that they will say yes to you. The more people that say yes to you, the less demonic activity there is in an area. Father, change our perspective, change our view of things so that we can see things like you see them. Thank you, Father, that if anyone here has realized that they don't have any shoes on, that they are, are, are ill-equipped to be able to share the gospel with someone, they're not ready and prepared and looking for opportunities, I thank you that, that you just stir them up to learn and to go, go and, and equip, be equipped to be able to be an effective ambassador for Christ. Because being an ambassador for Christ isn't just about being a nice person. Being someone that people admire. Being a good doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever. Being a good ambassador of Christ is about helping people receive you and enter into eternity with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you love us. And right now you just minister that love of the Father to us. That we would be uh, uh, just so filled with your love that that love would overflow towards people around us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we've all got a purpose. You've all called us to something great and that greatness is eternity. And, And bringing people with us. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.